3: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR.
4: Nice and clean, execute our
3: race for a delta position, gotta be there at the end. Yep, Copy that. have a nice, smooth day, and try to be there when it counts. The Motor Racing Network presents. NASCAR Live.
5: Alex Bowman wins the Toyota Owner's 400 at Richmond Raceway.
6: Can't believe we just did that at Richmond.
3: That's amazing. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Enu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley here, along with the rest of the MRN crew for yet another weekly get-together. Coming up on the show today, we're going to chat with Brad Keslowski. Over the weekend. He was able to lead 25 laps in his discount tire Ford and route to a 14th place finish at Richmond. We'll chat with Brad about his visit to the Commonwealth of Virginia and also getting prepared for the Geico 500 coming up Sunday at Talladega. We'll give you a NASCAR Live backtracks from the Toyota Owners 400 this past Sunday. Plus, we'll also take a look back at the 2001. Talladega 500, in addition to previewing this weekend's Geico 500 at Talladega, plus a whole lot more. First, to get us started, let's get a check on the headlines with Kyle ricky Kyle, what do you have for us today?
7: Mike, the opening nine races of the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season have seen eight different winners, including three from the Hendrick Motorsports stable, following last weekend's victory by Alex Bowman in Richmond. The one driver at Hendrick yet to win is last year's champion in Chase Elliott. But Hendrick team manager Jeff Andrews says not to worry just yet. It's,
8: it's not been that the performance hasn't there. I think more we're looking for a little bit of the consistency. And, you know, nobody's going to work harder at it than, than Alan Gustafson and that team. So it's, uh, we, we've still got. You know a, a lot of racing to do here and a lot of good tracks coming up for
7: them elliott is seventh in the standings heading to talladega super speedway this sunday and 40 teams are entered for sunday's geico 500 in talladega but one team was forced to make a change earlier this week rick ware racing announced that jennifer joe cobb who was to make her cup series debut with the team was not approved by nascar to compete this weekend J.J. Yaley is now listed as Cobb's replacement. And Kyle Busch and his Joe Gibbs Racing team have unveiled the team's throwback scheme they will use during next month's Goodyear 400 at the Darlington Raceway in South Carolina, part of the track's annual throwback weekend. Busch will celebrate the 80th anniversary of sponsor M&Ms with the company's old school yellow and red colors. The Goodyear 400 is set for Sunday, May 9th, at the track to Tough to Tame. Mike?
2: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we've got a NASCAR
9: Live backtrack from the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond, and later, Brad Keselowski will join us.
3: like to congratulate Alex Bowman and his number 48 Hendrick Motorsports pit crew for the win at Richmond Raceway. They are the Wheeland Pit Crew of the Week. In Victory Lane, Alex took a moment to remember his tire carrier, the late William Rowdy Harrell, who tragically lost his life in the offseason.
5: Such a great race car. We overcame a lot today. Um, We've overcome a lot all year, especially this offseason. It's harder on that group of guys standing over there than Than it needed to be, so um, this one's for Rowdy, and we're just appreciative to, to be here and have this opportunity.
3: Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley.
2: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Alex Bowman scored his first win of the 2021 season over the weekend at Richmond Raceway in Virginia, and that gives us a brand new NASCAR Live Backtracks.
5: Kip Childress behind the white and black Toyota Camry Pace car. Lights are out. It'll make its way to pit lane.
2: All right, man. Uh, Have fun out there.
8: And uh, good luck. And four. Have a good one there, guys. Dude, just like last week, we'll be around all day. Keep working on it. Keep fighting. The
4: The ninth race of the 2021 season, about to go under the green flag. It is the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway, and here they come, crowd on their feet, green flag in the air, and Crew X is long gone. Green, green, green they are clear at 11, clear by two, clear by four, all
10: good here. Well, I got to tell you, Joey Logano, that was a real aggressive move when they dropped the flag. He went down into turn one, made it three wide, and when he got down to turn one, that baby did not turn. It went all the way up to the top of the racetrack. We're still rolling right now to the one-third. You've
5: been calling Chase Elliott in some of those battles. He's, uh, He's had a hard time keeping that race car down to the bottom
4: of the racetrack.
11: My drive is good. Surprisingly, even with the tight, uh, I just can't just can't keep the front tires in the road. 90
4: laps ago when we dropped the green flag to get it started. It was Truex on the inside, Hamlin on the outside.
8: What do you think he had? Do you want to try the outside this time? Might be able to try it. We'll see. Uh, I'll uh, let you decide whatever you want to do. I don't know. I mean, I did a bad job at it last time. You know what I mean? To try it again. Trouble
1: turn three. Ryan Newman gets tagged from by Austin Cindric. He spins up to the outside, retaining wall. Didn't look like he hit anything. Just 33 spun
8: him. Uh, left rear fender just popped out a little bit and uh, roof left. Heather's out on the left side.
5: Back at Richmond Raceway, Kezlowski still the leader, still on old tires. Denny Hanlon was a half a track behind. He's now on the same straightaway. Jason Toy. What is the strategy for Brad Kislowski?
1: Well, it's kind of a two-fold deal here. They're trying to see if they can stay out long enough to actually maybe win the stage to get that valuable stage
8: For this length run, we are showing it to be one to two seconds slower to run it out versus or within one to two seconds
4: whether you split it or run long. Copy. I'm with you, Jeremy. Whatever you decide. So I'm
1: thinking Mustang. He is thinking Mustang for it. He's thinking Mustang. Defending NASCAR Cup Series champion now running for his life because Denny Hamlin is beginning to loom large in that rearview mirror looking to put the Napa Chevrolet
4: one lap down. The 11 is going to come outside. Clear, all clear. Double wide, one back fight that a we may be fighting for him for the dog here who will be the first
5: car lap down to get the free pass it'll be chase elliott by half a car
7: he's there
4: outside and clear all clear cover your bottom gonna roll outside again he's there coming green checker here outside come on buddy yes holy crap I listen up a second once you go by that pace car, and I tell you to go, you gotta haul ass, because it's a short track. It's hard to change four tires
8: without losing a lap. Yeah, copy.
4: Well, money stop time, and Truax busted too fast. On pit road, Martin Truax Jr. busted. Got a section nine, too fast. Okay, Gun speed again. You got to believe the spotter in Truex's ear is simply saying you are on the lead lap. That is the leader behind you. Forget the fact that it's your teammate. Drive it like you stole it. We have the 11 in our mirror now. All right, man. we're not out of this yet. Still 100 to go. Last on the lead lap right now. Watching these guys go to work as William Byron misses the entrance to pit road. And- pit, 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 pit. 51 still up there, pitting. Down, nope, keep going, keep going. You're fine, we didn't lose much.
1: Next time. It's Logano and Hamlin, nose to tail into three.
5: Completely different racing lines off turn four, maybe by design, maybe because the tires are wearing out. His front brakes are on fire in front of me here. He's forcing the issue. Trouble turn number one, Kevin Harvick slides up and pounds the safer barrier. Kevin Harvick with a big crash in turn number one. We
10: just blew a tire here. We're in the fence
8: your brake, best you can here. Hold your brake. Hold your brake. Hold your brake. Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin. Hamlin's crew does it again. Denny Hamlin over Joey Logano off from pit road. Straight and
11: hard, straight and hard. Three back, one back. No reason, no reason. Line there. Oh yeah, boys, get to stop. All right, be twelve to go when you get it. All switches down, blue down.
4: Just don't let him have your right rear. And if he does, you're still in great position. Let's get it done here, pal. We've done everything but.
11: Let's get it done.
1: It is not over yet. Hamlin
11: is hanging with him. Still two right out, back half. 48 trying to get inside. He's there. He's in there. 48 inside. Every door.
1: But now it is over. Bowman gets
4: a great jump through the center. It turns one and two. Bowman to the lead. Now you're quarter, You're clear. You're clear. Bowman right now with three car lengths over Denny Hamlin. It's not over with three to go. Looks good here, man. Driving away. Stay
11: focused, don't overdo it, you're fine.
5: Off turn number four, Shannon Bednarik puts the checkered flag in the air, sideways off the corner, and Alex Bowman wins the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway.
7: All right, congratulations on beating Derek Hoping for a win,
4: nice job buddy. Holy cow, hell yes.
6: Good job guys, can't believe we just did that at Richmond. Oh my God,
2: that's amazing. As we mentioned earlier, Brad Keselowski brought that Ford home in the 14th finishing position at Richmond. Coming up, we'll chat with
9: Brad about that. And later, we'll preview the Geico 500 in Talladega.
0: This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home.
3: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
2: We welcome you back to NASCAR Live as we continue through our weekly get-together. Let's bring in the driver of the number two Ford Mustangs for Team Penske. Brad Keselowski is back on NASCAR Live. Brad,
9: how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. hope you guys are doing well. Good to see you back, man. We are
2: doing good. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Let's button up Richmond. We've got lots to talk to you about. Um, 14th place finish over the weekend. Walk us through what happened there over the course of the 400 laps there at Richmond, and basically give us a debrief on the number two
9: car. Yeah, it just wasn't the day we wanted to have. I think we, uh, we had a lot of speed. Um, you know, the start of the race, we had the car where was really good on the short run, and not exactly where we needed to be on the long run. And uh, we, we made some adjustments to it to be better on the long run and uh, made some progress on that, but hurt the short run. And uh, by about the two-thirds part of the race, I thought, wow, we're in a really good spot. We had the short run in, the long run figured out. We uh, kind of missed it on the strategy call there. So I uh, tried to stay out and kind of run it uh, long, so to speak, on the pitch strategy, and we never got a yellow and uh, the tires fell off more than we anticipated. We ended up going from running third or fourth with a shot to win the race to all the way back to about 17th and a lap down. So uh, that was a bummer. We fought really hard to get it back, but didn't really catch any of the cautions we needed to get back on the lead lap. Drove up to, I think, 10th or 11th there and then, uh, you know, kind of took a big gamble to try to get back on the lead lap that didn't pay off. Ended up finishing, uh, like you said, 13th or 14th. I don't even remember where, but all in all, it was kind of disappointing. I felt like we had a race winning car and uh, just uh, weren't able to put it together.
2: But if you had gotten the caution and it worked out, you guys would have looked like geniuses. Is this one where you give one back, you take them when you can get them, but every now and then it doesn't go as planned or as you'd like it to happen?
9: Yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, we, we trust kind of our, our math and you know strategy, and uh, it was just off. So, you know, that's going to happen, and uh, you don't like it. If I could redo the race tomorrow, I think we could win it, but um, that's not the case.
2: Nine races in, where are you and Jeremy in this team right now? you happy with what you're seeing and what you're getting?
9: I was happy with the speed we showed at Richmond. I was happy with the speed we showed at Las Vegas. Uh, I thought we were respectable at Martinsville. Not quite as strong as we wanted to be at uh, Atlanta. So some things to work through. Really good at Daytona. Not quite as strong as we wanted to be at at Phoenix, but I think we know why. So we're we're dangerously hovering, and uh, it's dangerous in both senses. It's dangerous as in if we get hot, we can, I think, really go on a streak and put up some numbers and win a lot of races and uh, do some great, great things and do some damage. But on the other side, we haven't scored as many points as we needed to over the last three or four weeks. And we're dangerously hovering on the other side of, you know, some things don't start to uh, not necessarily go our way, but if things start really not going our way, we could be in danger on the point side. So we we really need to get ourselves a win. We need to get ourselves uh, clicking at a high level and um, things will take care of themselves very quickly.
2: We're seeing different things this year. Eight different winners in nine races, but we're seeing different winners. You've not won yet. There are a couple of your colleagues that have not won yet. How much of 2021 is an extension of what was created last year with the COVID break? The no practice, the no qualifying, the parts freeze. How much of what we're seeing now is still tied to that?
9: Oh, Without a doubt, the parts freeze for sure. The engineering ban locked down. Uh, You know, I thought Chevy made some huge gains over the offseason when they merged their two engine programs. Uh, which gave them – you know, there wasn't a lot you could do, but you could work on your engines, and Chevy put a lot of emphasis on that. I think they are going to reap the, the benefits of it. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of effects that are hard for me even to define today, but probably we'll be able to with hindsight in a few years, but a lot, a lot of ramifications to that, those moves.
2: We're about to put a bow on the month of April, and for what will be including Talladega the last three weekends – your foundation, the Checkered Flag Foundation, has been participating in, in um, Support Month of the Military Child. First of all, for those that don't know, what is that and
9: what is the extent of your involvement in this? Well, the Month of the Military Child, so uh, short acronym, MLMC, um, is a chance to really honor and support children of uh, our military, um, specific to know at least for us and and my cause uh, those who have had uh, a parent who is was either lost or severely injured uh in battle and uh you know that that that's really tough i can only imagine what that must be like for them and so we're supporting a number of ways we have uh, a healing camp that we uh, we fund uh for families to recover from the ptsd and so forth we have different events we do at the racetrack um as well not so much now in COVID times as we'd like but um, and then, of course, on my car, we, we recognize. So the name above the door is changed out to a, a military child that uh, is a candidate for the program each and every week and uh, uh, in the month of April. And you'll see, you see that in purple above the uh, uh, around the roof of my car. So purple is the color. It's uh, you know, interestingly enough, if you blend all the military colors, it turns into purple. So uh, it's, it's for all branches of the military and we're, we're glad to support.
2: Why is the military so important to you and your family?
9: Well, a number of reasons. I think it's hard to to pin just one, but, you know, I've had some family members and friends who served that, you know, I I think the world of for one. And uh, other than that, uh, you know, another reason I should say is, uh, you know, I look at the the men and women who have served our country and, uh, and I look at the world and, you know, we live in a great place. Uh, It's not perfect by any means, but if you you look back in the, in the history of the world, or if you go to other countries, you you realize quite quickly how great we have it. Um, And and that's uh, know, that's not just by happenstance. It's It comes from our our men and women that defend our freedoms and and have given us the opportunity to live this life, whether it's being a race car driver or getting to go to a race and enjoy it. Uh, Not everybody gets to do that. And um, I want to recognize them and give thanks.
2: I've had the opportunity to do it. Last week, I saw pictures that you had the opportunity to do it. And that's go to Arlington National Cemetery just outside of Washington, D.C. Can you describe what that's like, and the feeling that you get when you walk onto those hallowed grounds?
9: Yeah, well, first off, it's very somber. You know, 400,000 grave sites. That's amazing to think of how many people have given their life for our country. And, uh, you know, to spend some time there, it really sets you back, makes you reflect on, on your life and the things that, uh, that you're doing and have done and what they really mean. And, um, you know, just, again, I want to recognize our, our military members who are willing to make those sacrifices for us.
2: Different breed of folks, and we're so thankful for them. We at MRN salute them as well. Chatting with Brad Keselowski, who will be wheeling the Money Lion Ford Mustang this weekend in the Geico 500 at Talladega. You had a strong car at Daytona. Uh, Obviously, the speed is there on the super speedway plan, but it requires patience. It requires so much to be at these races at the end. For you, what do you need to have in order to fight for a win again? Not only in the race car, but say a mental frame of mind as well to get there.
9: Well, I think there's a couple of things. There's the first half of the race, which seems to be, you know, really tactical, making good moves and and all that kind of stuff, finding the right person to work with. And then there's the end of the race, which is just, you know, complete chaos. Everybody just runs over and wrecks each other and uh, makes no sense at all to me personally back then. Um, So, you know, I, I think there's really two races inside the race. So the part we can control is generally the first half of the race. We try to score lots of stage points. Um, and then the back half of the race is really just almost like a gigantic game of chicken. That's either wrecked or, or be wrecked. Um, so try to navigate that as wisely as we can.
2: Do you talk with your colleagues? Is it a topic of conversation amongst your colleagues? This is not the first time we've heard you talk about it. We've heard other guys talk about it, that when you get to the end of these, um, tapered spacer races now it used to be plate races, Daytona and Talladega, that all hell seems to break loose. Do you talk about this with guys? Say, listen, let's, let's use our heads here. Let's not, let's not go crazy. Yeah.
9: There, there's not a lot of sanity in the asylum. So, you know, the, I think the conversations are, are pretty light. Um, but the reality is, um, it's really easy to wreck somebody. And it's very tempting to do so at the end of these races.
2: After Talladega, we've got a mix of races, including going back to um, Nashville, going to Dakota. We're going to Kansas. We got Dover. What's on the bucket list for you guys that you're eyeing that perhaps maybe you can do some damage on some of those tracks.
9: Yeah, I certainly want to win a race at any of them. Um, you know, Coda, we tested that had a really strong test. I'm very excited about going back there. Uh, Darlington has been a good track for us historically, a lot of top fives and a win there a few years back, Kansas been a great track for me as well. So, you know, those three really stand out. Of course, Tallahassee the, is the track I've won the most races at in my career. So I uh, would like to get number six and, uh, catch up i think with dale jr i think he's got six um that would be really cool um so you know i think those are eyes on the prize as we look at the month of may and of course um charlotte you know it's a big race for us as well we won the 600 there last year and like to do uh, the same this year
2: lots of opportunities to win coming up the geico 500 at talladega sunday afternoon 1 p.m eastern time on the motor racing network brad appreciate the time my friend all the best to you in alabama this weekend
9: thank you guys appreciate you having me on this Keslowski,
2: the Money Lion Ford Mustang on track this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway.
3: Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR
2: Live. We're getting ready for the Geico 500 Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama. And here with a preview is our Woody King. Thanks, Mike.
1: Anything can happen at Talladega. That's what makes the racing so exciting. Everyone is dependent on the draft and drafting partners. Teams will work together as well as manufacturers. Here's Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch. I think we were one of the first
11: ones to start the the uh, manufacturer tie together where we were really successful. in. Um, and I want to say that was 13 or no, it was 15 maybe. And so... You know, ever since then, everybody's kind of gotten on that bandwagon, and, um, you know, we're obviously the smallest group, so it's hard for us to outdo, you know, a train of five Toyotas is not going to outdo a train of nine Chevys or 11 Fords or whatever it might be.
1: For the Chevrolet camp, Chase Elliott will be looking to get the Bowtie Brigade in Victory Lane.
11: You know, this has been going on for, what, the last couple of years, I would say, give or take, way more than it did, you know, my first couple of years. And I feel like as, as things have gone on, the dynamic has certainly progressed. I think everyone has a better understanding. Um, and ultimately, I think just amongst our team at, at Hendrick Motorsports, I feel like we have found ourselves in, in just a good position of understanding what's important and when it comes to helping each other. Um, and to me, the high spots of that are getting on and off pit road together efficiently And and then, you know, restarts uh, and and lane choice from that standpoint.
1: Fellow Chevy driver Austin Dillon says working with all the Chevy drivers is not that easy. Um, The manufacturer stuff is
5: really tough. I think uh, for us, you know, Chevy's been working well together. Uh, Chase and I uh, worked pretty good there at the Daytona 500 and had a chance to kind of Get up there and and mixed up, but we got to do a better job this time. Um, I think the Ford's uh, had us us covered late in that race, which we lost some of our bullets early. You know, big wreck. But we love Talladega, and uh, I think we're taking our same 500 car there, and we'll see how it
1: lines up. As the late Barney Hall used to say, they don't race anywhere in the world like they do at Talladega. Motor Racing Network will have live coverage of the Geico 500 starting at
2: 1 p.m. this Sunday. Thank you, Woody. Coming up, we're going to turn back the hands of time and take a listen back to the 2001 Talladega 500.
7: This is NASCAR Live.
3: Now, back to Mike Bagley.
2: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Occasionally on the show, we like to look back at some memorable races and tell you the stories that you've never heard before. Well, today, we want to take you back 20 years ago this week to the 2001 talladega 500 this is a nascar live behind the wheel
6: close again on the start of today's running of the ninth race of the year for the nascar winston cup series and one of the most exciting the talladega 500
2: the date was april 22nd 2001 the story behind bobby hamilton winning his fourth and final cup series race began six months prior in the winston 500 at talladega an exciting race where Dale Earnhardt Sr. stormed his way from 18th to 1st in five laps to win his final Cup Series race.
7: Here they come into the tri-oval. Kenny Wallace, one final shot at Dale Earnhardt. Behind him, the whole pack steaming for the finish line. Dale Earnhardt wins it.
2: Runner-up that day was Kenny Wallace, striving for Andy Petrie Racing. His crew
11: chief was Jimmy And you know, We finished the year previously you know, on a high note as well with Kenny. In October, we'd run second with that same rules package and that same car. So, you know, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't really know that expect to go win. You know, at that point in time, I think I probably expected to win Martinsville more than Talladega.
2: At the end of the 2000 season, Kenny Wallace moved on from Andy Petrie Racing leaving andy to find a new driver for the number 55 square d chevrolet
8: well it was somewhere in the middle of the 2000s season kenny wanted to do something else he had another team i can't remember the name of eel river i believe was the name of it that he wanted to go drive for um and one and had asked me to let him out of his contract and um i'm like well hang, you know well, hang on kenny you <laughs> know i got i got a lot riding on this right um because i had built a new facility to be able to handle both teams and you know to to grow it and make it you know competitive and viable and you know there was a lot of investment that i had put in it and i i said you know as far as letting him out of his driver contract i could probably do that but i'd have to check with square d and if it meant that i lost them i could i would not be able to right because i just couldn't afford to lose them and um and so i did i went and met with square d and then they agreed to let you know kenny out of his agreed to let me let kenny out of his contract so i did i notified kenny told him that i would at the end of the year and and, you know it was all amicable i mean we we went ahead and raced the rest of the year fine and you know kenny Wallace and i are great friends still today but what happened was that left us without a driver and um but we had some time we had what six months or so maybe to find one and so I went to kind of went to work on finding somebody that I could get out there and make you know have a chance to win with and uh, looking for somebody that had proven they could. Andy Petrie settled on Bobby Hamilton.
6: The Talladega Super Speedway is one place you can always count on for a spectacular NASCAR Winston Cup race. In the past few times we've been here, the finishes have been positively breathtaking. Judging by what we've seen so far this weekend, today should be no different.
2: On April 22, 2001, the NASCAR Cup Series ran the Talladega 500. In the driver's meeting before the race, former president of NASCAR, Mike Helton, announced a new rule that would be enforced during the race. Former Penske driver and NASCAR Hall of Famer, Rusty Wallace.
10: Probably one of the biggest statements I remember is when Mike Helton got up in The driver's meeting and said, look, we've got a new rule. We're tired of all these crashes. And so anybody goes below the yellow line on the front straightaway or the back straightaway to make a pass, you're going to the back of the pack. We're not going to put up with any of that stuff. There's going to be big penalties. Helton really made a big statement. And so that was the beginning of it. Hey, no going below the yellow line. And it really worked. It was in everybody's head. Do not mess with this because Helton meant business. And, uh, you could tell by the tone of his voice in the driver's meeting that nobody was going to mess with that deal.
5: Everybody's heartbeat goes up a little bit at Talladega when they get ready to put them under green here for either race, either the one that we're running here today or the one that we run here in the fall. They're about 1,000 feet away from the start-finish line. Green flag is in the air, and the Talladega 500 is underway.
2: The 2001 Talladega 500 produced 38 lead changes and no cautions. That's right. All 500 miles were run nonstop and caution-free. It's only happened three times in the history of Talladega. Rusty Wallace managed a 13th place finish that day.
10: Showing Rusty Wallace as the leader. Rusty stayed on the track the last couple of times. You know, to run Talladega in 2001 without a caution, all 500 miles, was was crazy. It's something I never thought would happen. But I remember it was a real hot day. Boy, everybody was getting tired and fatigued. And, you know, for me personally, I kept thinking, I wonder when the big one's going to happen. When's this wreck to happen? I was constantly looking around and being careful but running hard and it was just a you know that was just a mentally exhausting race because of those things the heat and the constantly wondering when's it going to happen but it didn't and we ran 500 miles caution free that was pretty cool.
2: Former Andy Petrie racing driver Joe Nemechek remembers the fatigue of not having a break. Joe Nemechek to the lead as Jeff Gordon gets shuffled to the
12: out. I, I, I remember that race very good because it was it was caution free race and There was so many times that we should have wrecked and had the big one, and it just never happened. And most of the race, we were always three wide. A lot of times, we were four wide. And it was all, it was a big, I mean, again, it still is, but back then, it was really a game of chess to getting in the right line to try and work your way to the front. And, I mean, you were watching the mirror more than you were watching out the front because you were watching what the guys were doing behind you. And you had your peripheral vision had to be perfect because you're trying to watch all the way around to know where you had a gap where you could slide. You know, someone had to check up a little bit if they got too hit too hard from the back. You know, made them wiggle. It was just it was a game of inches that day. And I remember getting out of the car after that race, and my brain was I was just fried. I didn't want to think. It was just. I was overwhelmed with the amount of information I had to process to be able to have a good day. In the closing laps, teammate Joe Nemechek
2: pushed Bobby Hamilton around Tony Stewart with two laps to go.
5: Tony Stewart trying to hold on to the lead. Bobby Hamilton trying to get around the outside. And at the start-finish line, Hamilton makes the pass. He gets around Tony Stewart and leads him back to turn one for the final time.
12: That was just one of those things you did. You know, it's uh, he's my teammate. We're getting down to the end. And... Bobby was a great guy. I mean, hell of a race car driver. and, And when it got down to the end, I mean, we had to go. And the only way we were going where nobody was at the time. And so I believe we went up to the outside and again, just trying to push him up there. And I think he got to the front and got in, but I didn't make it all the way in or something happened there. But he was trying to help me once we got to the front. And that's what teammates do. Nemechek ended up finishing
2: 6th, but it could have been a win according to team owner Andy Petrie.
8: Joe actually missed an opportunity to win that race himself. Uh, Mark Martin was coming on the outside, made someone made it three-wide, and he was coming with the momentum on the outside, and I don't think the spotter picked up on it quick enough for Joe. And I jumped on the radio. I said block the 6. Block, you know. All he had to, do, and he he pulled up. He just didn't pull up enough. You know, and left just enough room for Mark to squeeze. And that's why if he had pulled up in front of Mark, he would have been pushed past Bobby even. I think he would have ended up winning. Um but we, you know, I want to try to get a one-two finish. That's all I was thinking about, right? I didn't care which one it was.
1: Hamilton takes it up to the
8: outside, retaining wall now, ducks it down to the low line, trying to block
1: all three lanes at once is Bobby Hamilton. Here they come for the final time. It's Stewart in second. On
2: the outside, Joe, leave Hamilton leads him to three. Kurt Bush is not a factor. Tony Stewart is not a factor. Bobby Hamilton is in the lead at Talladega. Three wide behind. Tony Stewart now will grab second. Kurt Bush is third. Stewart's going to try to mount a charge. He looks inside. He Looks outside, nothing doing. Hamilton has the land
6: cover. Hamilton blocks coming up the racetrack, keeping Tony Stewart from making the move. Bobby Hamilton driving for Andy Petrie. Racing is going to score his first win for that team here today in the Talladega 500. Jimmy Ellis, the crew chief
4: for Bobby Hamilton. Jimmy, congratulations.
11: I can't believe it. You know, obviously, I didn't get to see the pass for the lead, you know, but then it was just, I remember taking the white flag and uh, just, I don't know, kind of wondering. Man, is this really going to happen? You know, can we make it back here? You know, and win this race? And you know, so it was just a matter of listening to the spotter until, you know, we got to see him come down towards pit road and, you know, where pit road entrance is. And once we seen that and seen he was out front, it was, it was definitely a change of emotions for sure because it went from can you win, if you can win, and wondering about all the other scenarios of how they play out, and then the reality of it strikes you know quickly that man we just want to race you know so it was really cool
2: on the cool down lap bobby hamilton nearly passed out due to the excessive heat in the car jimmy ellidge recalls feeling responsible for not keeping his driver cool
11: once the race got over he said as he was you know running around the cool down lap he said then all of a sudden it just hit him that he was really really hot and he started getting dizzy and and uh and he said all he could really think about was just getting to victory lane and and getting getting out and getting some fresh air but yeah, it was, I mean, I felt bad because, you know, like I said, it, part of the air conditioner thing was, was my fault, you know, by my inexperience of doing the things I was doing and it ended up damaging the air conditioner Where It did not work at all. You don't, I don't think you realize it till it all sinks in that, uh, that you're that, you're that hot, you know, when you're, when you're, in the in the moment and doing what you're doing
2: in victory lane hamilton talked with motor racing network pit reporter jim phillips while sitting on the ground Let's
4: see if we can get in here with uh bobby hamilton he and his teammate joe nebacheck celebrating this victory bobby when did you make up your mind that the only chance you had was the outside lane
6: 15 to go i knew what i was going to do i just didn't want to do it too early i just count my laps down i didn't tell them and i could hear
4: the concern in their voice but
6: i said 15 to go because. If you look back at the tape, every time I had 15 to go for an end of a gas run, I'd go up there and lead it or be right there. So I knew what we could do with 15 to go.
4: How much did your teammate mean to you in those last few laps? We wouldn't, win, wouldn't have won it without him, and uh, I
6: appreciate that. I mean, Joe hadn't had that good of a year, but it's a real good race team, and we're working so close together, and we're utilizing what a two-car team's about, and I think today showed
12: that. Uh, I, I remember congratulating them, and it was so hot, and Andy was so excited, and... Uh, we were both we we're I mean both mentally and physically we were done I mean it was it was it was a tough race it was hot and I remember both of us I think we sat down right next to the car and trophies in the center and we're sitting down next to it in uh, in victory lane and and you know a special day for Andrew Andy Petrie worked so hard at that all the guys at the shop you know I'm still friends with quite a few of them you know, most of them either have their own businesses or work for other race teams and And it was cool, that group of guys, I mean, just worked so hard to try and find an advantage. And, I mean, yeah, they were a two-car team, but they were, you know, a small, small team. And I know, you know, the budgets we had to work on back then were were tiny compared to the big guys. So uh, we always took pride in everything we did. And when we could run well, it meant so much to everybody. We're looking back 20 years ago to the Talladega 500. We've got more of
2: the story coming your way next.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
2: Thank you for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. We're looking back 20 years ago to Bobby Hamilton's final win in the NASCAR Cup Series and the stories behind the wheel. 37 lead changes among 27 drivers as
6: usual a nail biter here all the way down to the finish as bobby hamilton wins at the talladega super speedway
2: the win was the first for andy petrie as a car owner and the first for jimmy ellidge as a
11: crew chief andy was thrilled as you remember his his hood dive where he dove on the hood on as bobby was coming down pit road and, and was uh was slapping the windshield with with joy for sure but you know just going through the going through the motions of winning a race as a you know for him as a car owner you know which he had won many races as a crew chief but for him as a car owner and for myself as a crew chief you know Bobby was obviously had won races before but you know it was it was it was a special moment for all three of us because you know it was we were kind of an underdog team and you know we, we weren't as financed as well as some other ones were but you know it was it was a It was just kind of something that maybe we weren't supposed to do, and and we were able to accomplish that, and that was a big accomplishment.
2: Andy Petrie remembers the celebration that followed.
8: After the race, I had my airplane there, and uh, I sent the guys home on it because I stayed with with, uh, with the job team. And then I rode back with Bobby in his airplane, and so Bobby, Bobby said he would drop me off in Asheville. And so... It was really, really cool. I mean, we had everybody, both teams from APR were there at the airport to meet us. when I rode up with Bobby. Our plane had already gotten there. It was already a party started on the ramp. And it was probably the neatest thing ever. Uh, We had just a big old party and went into the, you know, early morning, (laughs) right there on the ramp of the airport. One other thing we did before we left, we went down on the start finish. We took one of the bottles of champagne from Victory Lane. We went down on, on the start finish line with Bobby. Uh, my wife, uh, Jimmy, I'm trying to remember, it was a handful of people, PR people went down there and kind of just celebrated sitting on the start-finish line. The celebration
2: didn't last long, though, as Bobby Hamilton struggled to finish in the top 20 for most of the season. Petrie feels it was a combination of several different factors.
8: I don't know. I look back on it and I think, you know, Bobby came to my team with, a like I said, this almost vengeance to show everybody that he could still win. You know, he had won some, he had and then it got to where he couldn't really even run the top 20 for, for a year, and so he, he, he came there with this this attitude that he was going to show him. And every week he was doing that, and he was do, he was overperforming. Now I, I can tell you, our cars were good; they were, they were they weren't great. You know, we had good cars. We were in a building phase for, for for our team, and um, we're starting to get there. But he was he was outperforming what our, our car capabilities were, and. Um, Once he did win, I felt like he was just going to show people he could win, and then once he did, it was like okay. I shut. You know, I think we lost that little attitude edge that we had, Um, and now it's up to just the performance of our cars, which weren't quite there. You know, and then once that happens, you know, when your cars are just a little off, and and you're not having, you're not making up for it with something else, then you start losing your, you know, kind of confidence uh, in yourself. I'm just speaking for Bobby's a driver, but then probably in the team, you know, and then you start thinking, well, you know, my car's just not as good as those. It's just, you know, I'm struggling here and there. And then it it, it becomes a, you know, just a cascade effect. And I think that's what happened to us. I I don't, I don't really, and the team was in a struggle. Uh, 2001 was a real struggle for APR because of sponsorship and the things that went on, you know, 9-11 happened. Uh, sponsors I had were not major, major companies. You know, I had Oakwood Homes on the 33 and I had Squared E on the, which is a, you know, solid sponsor, don't get me wrong, but it was, you know, it was tough. And we were losing Oakwood, we knew that. They were, they were fulfilling their two-year agreement and it was over at the end of 2001. And we were actively searching, trying to find somebody to replace them and not having any luck. And I think that kind of wore on the team You know, as a whole, I think a lot of those things that you just, you know, you try to keep it from affecting the performance. You do everything you can, but sometimes you just can't, you know. Probably lost uh, some key people along the way. And um, it was just hard to maintain that level of enthusiasm, knowing that it might just end, you know. So I think that's some of it.
2: Bobby Hamilton raced another season with Andy Petrie before moving on to the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series full-time in 2003. As the team owner, he would become the Truck Series champion in 2004. Bobby Hamilton
6: comes across in the 17th spot, and Daniel Fry, he's won the championship.
0: Well, his team didn't even start celebrating, Joe, until he did cross the championship. This is the first time Dodge has won a championship in a NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Sadly,
2: Bobby Hamilton was diagnosed with cancer in March of 2006 and passed away almost a year later, January 7th, 2007. His win in the 2001 Talladega 500 was one of his brightest moments in his stellar racing career.
3: It's the Wompley Fastlane Small Business Spotlight. Stuart and Jessica Friesen are both well-known in the dirt racing community. The two decided to start a family and a business at the same time.
0: You know, starting a family was, you know,
5: just something we decided to do together and I knew it was gonna affect my racing um, and it was gonna put racing on a back burner and that's how we started our business, 1ZT uh, Screen Printing. Um, you know, Squirt gets to raise for a living. I'm in this dungeon of a T-shirt shop most of the time, so he's on the road, and uh, I'm in here printing T-shirts, and that's just uh, the way we kind of planned it.
3: Self-employed, get in the PPP fast lane with Wompley. Wampley has helped over 100,000 small businesses access their PPP loan. You may qualify for up to $50,000. Apply now at wompley.com NASCAR. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
2: We're about to head for the exits for this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, it's that time of the week. Time for this week in NASCAR history with Susie Armstrong.
0: Thanks, Mike. 1993, Boston Rockers Aerosmith get a grip on the charts as "Living on the Edge hits number one. Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore agreed to Robert Redford's dubious offer as indecent proposal tops the box office. And Rusty Wallace was happy to oblige his fans in the home stretch at North Wilkesboro, leading the final 120 laps to the Checkers in the first Union 400. Miller-Jedwin
6: drafts Pontiac, slides by Bobby Hamilton, gets around the outside lane, drops down low,
1: Hugs the curb now, and turns three and four on his way home. Rusty Wallace, who has won here at North Wilkesboro in the past, makes it two. North Wilkesboro wins, and two wins here in the 1993
0: season. 1999, Post Grunger's collective soul had a dosage of success with their fourth album, as the second single, Heavy, lofted to number one. Kelsey Grammer dispensed psychological anecdotes and sparred with his live-in father as NBC's Frasier dominated primetime. The Great One played his final period as NHL Hall of Famer Wayne Gretzky retired jersey number 99. And John Andretti put the biscuit in the basket at Martinsville Speedway, By Jeff Burton with four to go to win the Goodies Body Pain 500 in the Kings number 43 STP Pontiac. He spun
7: out early in the race, lost a lap, made it up, came through the field, and closed from 2.8 seconds behind at 19 to go to win at Martinsville. John Andretti takes the Goodies Body Pain 500, his second NASCAR Winston Cup Series win, and the 17th at this old racetrack for Petty Enterprises.
0: 2004, Kenny Chesney and Uncle Cracker pair up to croon the number one country hit when the sun goes down. And the hits keep coming for Chesney as the country star joins Toby Keith and Shania Twain as top talent in the 38th annual CMT Flameworthy video awards. And Rusty Wallace made his short track prowess known at Martinsville, driving the number two Penske Pontiac to a 55th and final career victory. when the sun goes race
2: fans are going wild on the backstretch at Martinsville Rusty Wallace for the final time off the end of the backstretch as a three car length lead advantage over Bobby Labonte Rusty Wallace going back to victory lane at Martinsville
6: In 2 weeks it will be 3 years since he had won that last victory coming at the California Speedway he
0: goes back to victory lane today at Martinsville Speedway in the Advance Auto Parts 500 and those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history
2: Thank you, Susie. We'd like to thank Brad Keselowski for joining us this week. we also like to thank you as well for tuning in. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we're going to chat with you next week right here again on NASCAR Live. We'll have lots to talk about, debriefing the GEICO 500, and getting ready for the Bushy McBush Race 400 at Kansas Speedway. Until then, so long, everybody.
3: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian, Julian Council, and Rich Cobra The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit mrn.com for all the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.
1: Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper to bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes.